Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 51. It's good to be with you once again. Well, let me begin by offering an update to an earlier episode, episode 45, which featured Broadway bassist Marianne McSweeney, um, who, and that episode gets brought up a couple of times during this next interview you're about to hear. Uh, so it's interesting timing. Um, but the update is one of the shows that she was about to do next, The Girl from the North Country, it's been announced that it will return to Broadway on October 13th. So chance to see Marianne McSweeney and the show she was doing um, once that comes out. So on October 13th. And by the way, that's I'm just cherry picking that show because it's relevant to this podcast. But um, that's from uh, an article that also talked about Town coming back. Um, there are tons of announcements like this, and, and this is very good news for both theater audiences and for all of the thousands of people that are employed by these shows. Just some quick reminders before we get started with today's episode. Uh, it's always helpful if you can share this episode if you enjoyed it, uh, to offer a five-star rating and uh, optional review on wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel inclined to support this podcast monetarily, you can give through the donate button that's found at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. So now on with today's show, this is the second guest that I've had outside of America. We are going to Dublin, Ireland, and I'm going to be talking to guitarist Andrew Clayton. Andrew is a performer and a teacher who's not too far removed from being a student in school himself, and uh, he talks about not too long ago getting introduced to theater and specifically what that theater is like if you live in Dublin, Ireland. As I've often said on this podcast before, I would love to hear all of the experiences at various places around the world where musicians are playing for theater. And uh, Andrew was a listener of the podcast who said that he could offer an Irish perspective and uh, I welcome that chance. So we had a conversation that we recorded a little while back, and now I present my conversation with Andrew Clayton. Andrew, thank you for taking time to talk to me today. Um, tell us what you do and where you are from. So my name is Andrew. I'm from Dublin, Ireland. I'm 26 and I kind of have two jobs, essentially. Uh, one job is I'm actually a teacher over here uh, for secondary school, it's called. I think well, for you guys, that'd be high school, be about 13 years of age up to around uh, 18 years of age. And then also I do play in uh, pits for uh, local and kind of countrywide musical productions. And of course, because of the school connection for school productions as well. Oh, wonderful. Uh, you are my second international guest. Uh, I had uh, spoke to someone from Melbourne, Australia, which was actually much harder to coordinate the time <laughs> than you. That's yes, I can. I, I actually, I, it was actually that one that made me kind of go, hmm, I wonder if he'd be interested in chatting to me because when I heard he was a guitarist from Australia, I went, yes, yes I'm very interested in that. 
Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're only a five-hour difference. Actually, I, I think you'd be six, uh, but we do daylight savings time, and I guess Ireland does not. Yeah. So that No, does so, not, no. So it pushes, it pushes us an hour closer, so that's good, yeah. Um, it's actually good timing. I This year was my third attempt at reading Ulysses, which is like, takes place in Dublin and I finally got through it. Can't say that I understand much of it, but I did have to help me out. I had a map of Dublin <laughs> that kind of helped me understand where these were going on and had like this uh, professor's lecture series, a chapter synopsis and all that. But uh, yeah. I've, I've been a reader most of my life and you know that was one of the big ones that I'd never read, even though I've read like some of his others. But I don't think I'll try Finnegan's Wake. It's like Ulysses was <laughs> that was hard enough. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's pushing the boat out. Even, even I'll, I'll confess it. I even myself, I've 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 not exactly been floating towards Irish literature a lot of right. the time. I will say that. And um, probably the last time I studied anything to do with Irish literature was when I sat the big exam over here, and uh, in 2000, 2012, 2013 was when I right. really focused on Irish literature. So right. Um, yeah, I think there's a few mystery writers you have, uh, and I, I can't. Uh, I'd have to like go dig out like whoever read. <laughs> there's some some pretty good ones over there, but yeah, uh, they're good. That's for sure, absolutely. I see. I was trying to think like Irish Irish bands. You know, for for a long time, you know, it's like in America, you uh, two kind of carried the torch, but um, you know, and. In in my lifetime, you know, you had the cranberries, which was very good, and also the frames. Love the frames. frames. Uh, and um, the big uh, one for me is Tin Lizzy. I know it sounds uh, okay. very typical to go to Tin Lizzy, or the Lizzy would be a big one. Nice. Okay. Uh, so, all right, you're so. a guitarist. So, t- just tell us a little bit about getting into music. So, I picked up guitar for 2008. So, you're talking more than 10 years ago. Picked it up. Uh, started lessons for a couple of years. Uh, up until when I did the big exam year, I suppose, in 2012. And that year I got asked, um, just someone locally, a, a close friend, I suppose, said, oh, you you like playing guitar. Do you want to play for a local show? And me at the time, I didn't realize that pit musicians were actually a thing. I didn't realize it was a, a title, right. so to speak. Right. So um, so I said, yeah, I'd love to. Next thing you know, I got handed the the famous joke being, how'd you get a guitar player to stop playing? Put sheet music in front of him. Right. I got handed the sheet music and got told, yeah, you're playing Joseph in the Technical, the Dreamcoat. What, what's all this stuff? What's the dots? What are these? And I actually didn't uh, didn't know how to play sight read mm. at all, uh, reading the dots. Um, but they, the conductor very kindly handed me a piano score with the melodies, harmonies, and chords in it. And I was able to follow along with that. And... After that, I I picked up sight reading. I started te- I started learning and studying classical guitar with um, a local guitar hero, I suppose, uh, Alan Grundy with the Dublin School of Guitar, mm-hmm. and he basically ran me through the paces of sight reading, and I kind of obviously studied it myself a bit in college, and from there on, I started getting asked to come back every year for the same musical society. Uh, so I've done Jesus Christ Superstar, I've done Greece, I've done Hairspray. Uh, Joseph obviously being the first one kind of holds a, a kind of a special place in my heart that mm-hmm. one um, and then I, in the local schools I've done Annie I've done high school musical as well for a few so very much uh, very much the kind of I'm not going to say the more modern ones but certainly more rocky ones I think are my uh, my 
my speciality, I suppose, with regards to being a pit. All right. Well, I mean, the last one you just said was Annie. I don't know if that's a rocking one. <laughs> well, it was a it was a it was a rock one by the time the students got a hold of it. Um, oh, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So so that's very much trial by fire. I would say uh, you know not even reading music and having to play. Um, I mean, not just a show, but you know, an Andrew Lloyd Webber rock show. So. Um, it was uh, now I have never seen was, the guitar parts for his early books. I don't know like how detailed they are. You know if there's a lot of slashes and chords or if or what's going on there. But was uh, it was because it was uh, because I got the piano score. It was it was okay enough. But when I started actually reading, when I actually found the guitar score and started sitting down and learning, I was like, wow, this is right. far more complicated than I would have thought right. for the for the guitar in it. Well, I mean, something we have in common is Joseph was actually technically my first show. I mean, I don't I don't really like officially regard it as such because I it wasn't like a full production. Uh, you know, so there was a Christmas show that I did that that was a full production. So I kind of regarded that. But several years before that, there was uh, we have a thing here called Vacation Bible School for that some churches do. Mm. And. Uh, one of them decided instead of doing the traditional thing to do a like a very abridged production of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I just had to play piano for that. It's like um, I think someone else did the vocals and and all that, but that was the first, you know, other than accompanying for voice lessons, isolated songs from you know show tunes. Yeah, that was the first time that I, I played for like any kind of production at all. But I've also taught the the full production uh to a youth camp as well you know since then uh and joseph is joseph is really good uh i do think it was a warm-up for jesus christ superstar and that is one of my favorite oh, yeah. shows man that is that is a I'd great s- band part <laughs> it's um it's yeah jesus christ superstar it was i was meant to play it for the second time last year about uh it was actually around easter time funnily enough uh very topical i suppose easter yeah. time last year i was meant to play it as well right as i said with the same musical society for the second time and uh this is the second year in a row now we've had to cancel so uh obviously with what's going on because we're still in lockdown over here we're not uh we, we've still got nothing right open, i suppose right um but that's one of my all-time favorite shows it was the first time first time i got to sight read a show properly first of all and then second of all just the genre of music and the and the style that's in it i really really enjoy the next episode i will be doing is with uh a keyboard player for the national tour of the 50th anniversary of jesus christ superstar uh for for the united yeah. states uh, and um and you know i already had that interview with him we've already talked and he said that that what they were trying to do with that production is get it as close to the original concept album as possible the the brown, known as the brown album yeah. have you ever heard that version and i i have heard that version because uh, I, it was my first introduction as to what a concept album was i never knew what that was until someone said yeah this is originally right. an album not a show right so um but yeah it's it's, it's a great sound off of it it was uh it was at that sign on it again yeah i, I can't remember oh, the I exact remember. year That's terrible what was it it was the early 70s you know i forgot the exact oh, year. early 70s yeah but um, you know prog yeah. rock was big at that time you know you had uh you had yes you pink. had kind of pink floyd, pink floyd up and coming been, yeah yeah and then you you had some a lot of bands that you know some of 
some are still remembered, some have been forgotten, like King Crimson, Gentle Giant. <laughs> um, mm. You know, a lot of, I, I feel like all these are British bands, you know, that, <laughs> that I, were I, prog I, rock. I, I'll say, I don't think any of them would be Irish, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so, uh, Ireland had Van Morrison, who did a lot of kind of experimental prog rock stuff, you know, like Astral Weeks and some yeah, other things, yeah. you know, it's like... His his sound kind of changed as it as it went. Actually, I didn't I didn't even know till someone pointed out he's still doing stuff. He has like a new album coming. Yeah, out, he's so. still doing just before the. I think it was just the year before the lockdown. He did a tour around uh, Ireland with right. uh, Robert Plant. I think it was he did a tour with Robert Plant. Nice, but this is one thing like America didn't have very very much of this. You know, at the time, it's like mm. I think it was more of a a UK type of thing as far as you know prog rock. Uh, and that makes sense because, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber being English, you yeah. know, he's right in the mix of that. So it's yeah. it's kind of funny that he came to the table with a musical kind of based off of pop culture at the time. Yeah, and exactly. I'm not, was... and, uh, and I know Joseph kind of did the same thing, but, you know, I don't know how many musicals did that before then. I guess Hair sort of yeah. did that, but... <laughs> um, there's a there's a lot of musicals that that do that anyway. They kind of impact on the pop culture. Like Spring Awakening is a big one that hits with pop culture sometimes. And right. The topics that get brought up and you know Jesus Christ Superstar for the time it was brought out was very controversial to yeah to a, to an extent I suppose. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. As far as uh, you know, librettos and you know text, I agree with you. But I was just thinking yeah. in terms of music, it just seemed like for so long. Uh, it was most of what got produced kind of followed a certain formula and it sounded mm, a certain way absolutely. that was distinct from anything else. It's like, you know, you, no one ever listens to a Rogers and Hammerstein musical and say, Hey, that makes me think of this band <laughs> or, yeah. or this composer, oh, you know, absolutely. <laughs> whereas, uh, yeah, like you, your, your I new agree musicals, with you 100%. You don't, you don't sit and listen to Jesus Christ Jupiter kind of go, oh, that's got that bit of influence. And right. you, you can spot the, you can spot the the genre and you can spot the bands that definitely inspired that right. sounds that, that, as you said, the production sound was, was very seventies, very. 70s. Oh yeah. 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 Very good. Let's talk about some of your other shows. So you said you, you did Joseph and Jesus Christ Superstar. You did Grease and Hairspray. Now, uh, are these uh, like community theaters where you played for? So, yeah, Hairspray and uh, Hairspray was for a theater company or a musical. They're called Musical Societies over here. I don't know if it's the same okay. over with you guys. Uh, but that, that was in an opposite part of the country, I suppose. It's about a three-hour drive away. So I'd finish the school day at about four o'clock and then I'd drive three hours and head to play uh, the show for the week. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how a lot of... Uh, kind of known pit musicians work you know they, they just get hired or get a call from here and that was hairspray and that was really fun because again it was kind of it's kind of that school teenager age group as well and that's kind of what i really like about it is seeing the teenagers putting on these broadway right. west end shows and, and seeing some of the talent is just amazing you know from right. with regards to vocal ability and stuff and also getting to work with them as a pit musician myself i'm just i really enjoy that uh, what is the standard for uh, in in the theaters you've worked for the number of rehearsals that you get before the opening night? Uh, I'd say the most I've ever done. Um, it depends. Like the, the 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 musical society that I'm kind of the resident guitarist for that that asks me back every year. Mm -hmm. um, we do. We pretty much practice throughout the whole year. 
Okay. Uh, we do every yeah, we pretty much get the scores. We'll get the scores around if we're lucky, we'll get them around November, maybe Christmas time. And then we're practicing, you know, we'll meet up and get it nice and neat every time, every Sunday, uh, okay. up until the show, which is normally around normally around March, uh, is kind of the time when oh. the show puts on. But then the least I've ever had to do was uh, literally two two nights. This we did we did a Sunday night and we did a Monday night and then the show started on Tuesday. Okay, and that was it. So okay, yeah. So yeah, with the first scenario you described with the with the musical society, that's not really, at least in my experience, it's not anything like anything that we have here. the The standard here, mm. um, at least in my area, and from what I can tell, kind of most areas, uh, is uh, you might get a couple of rehearsals with just the band or you know maybe one of them might be what we call a sits probe you know where you add oh, the they... cast and all that so yeah and, and then you yeah. have probably two rehearse the last two dress rehearsals then they're off and running i've been in a few exceptional situations like some of the universities with some big time programs will will bring an extra rehearsal with the cast and maybe even an extra rehearsal with the orchestra, especially if it's a tough show, you know, they might yeah. do something like yeah. that. The, but, the, yeah, the, the rehearsals that I've said uh, would start around Christmas, they're very much, it's just the band and maybe one singer might show up every now and again. And right. it just depends on how much we're able to get the scores in an earlier time because, well, at right. least from our experience, it's you have to pay for the scores as long as you have them, obviously. Right. So if we can get them earlier enough, we'll get them earlier and we'll practice it the best we can. Um, right. But like like you said, the sits pro would be. Uh, mm-hmm. My experience hasn't been directly in a in a theater. It's more been like in small sports halls that have been transferred into a theater or a local church that's been transferred into a theater. Right. Um. And most of the bigger ones are kind of the bigger theaters, at least to my knowledge, would be a, a tour coming over from England, uh, and they take over. And the odd time, one of the Irish guys would end up depping is the word that we use over here. I don't know if it's the same there. Right, right. Uh, and just, I, I think it's so, yes, so would be the word yes, you so, use. Yeah. And we step in, yeah. We get a call to say, any chance you could do one or two nights um, playing Wicked? Okay, yeah, we'll step in. Nice. Um, but those, yeah, no, the, the the shorter ones are interesting because the sight reading has, uh, like I keep saying, for a guitar player, for whatever reason, we just don't like sight reading. Right. So those, uh, that, that, that call, when I got this, uh, I got told the score is coming to you on Saturday, you're expected to be there on Sunday to play. Right. That, uh, that definitely was a shock to the system. Uh, so, you know, just, it's just helpful to kind of understand, you know, how, how different uh, societies and nations, you know, treat theater. Um, but for the shows that you've played, uh, have if you've been compensated, how has that been? Are you paid per service? Are you paid a uh, flat rate or is it volunteer? It's, it's so for the one that's kind of the residence when I'm residents, that is a volunteer thing because it's very much community in and, out, in and of itself, this particular, that particular musical society. Right. But for the like of the one where um, I went down the, I had to travel for three hours. They very much said, no, what, what are you charging? What are you asking for? And it's uh, and there is a musicians union over here, and there is you can apply for the whole uh, sole trader, I believe is the term, and you can register up your your payment then that way. Okay, yeah, so that makes a lot more sense because, um, yeah, part of the reason for the limited number of rehearsals is is just the the standard is that you're paid for per service, the finance, and and yeah, and, oh and, yeah, and even if like the volunteer or so the community theater, even if it's uh, or schools, if it's volunteers you know, on stage or in the crew, 
uh, usually you are paying the pit musicians. Now, now I'll just go ahead and say it's you. It's not nearly as much pay as you get for mm. a professional theater or touring or Broadway or anything like that. But <laughs> no, no. But you no, do. That's get, all. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, from a theater's perspective, they are paying the musicians each time they come in. So it's the thought is what's the what's the smallest amount of payments we can get away with and have a decent show and somehow over time they figured if you get good musicians that will practice at home and can read pretty well uh give them two rehearsals before they meet the cast and two with the cast and and it should should be good and it tends to work out because like first time we meet with the cast is always rough or i mean yeah yeah and then the second one uh, it's, it's, it's almost like the, the one before opening night, you would hope that would be per, you know, perfect and ready to go. But mm. the fact is it's still, it's just better. It's still got room to go. And then opening <laughs> night comes and okay, we're finally, we're finally locked in. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the joke I've made, and I, I will, I will say I can be a bit of a joker, particularly with the volunteering group, that, right. the volunteering group that I'm involved with now and then they're called, I might as well name them while I'm here now and then production company. Uh, that group in particular, uh, we the joke I often make is, you know, we'll be doing the dress rehearsal on the Monday night. Uh, opening night would be Tuesday. The closing show is on Friday. I'll often turn and say, it's okay, we'll have it by Saturday. Nice. Just, uh, just to make the point that we're actually, we're still working through it. Um, but it's, it, it is still enjoyable. And like I said, the, the, yeah. the experience of traveling down the country is kind of fun as well. I get to travel around even though it's my own country, I get to travel around my own country for some of the shows. It's great. Right. So I was just thinking you, you just mentioned something about, uh, English professional theater. So, so you do get it like a tours come in from England. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Essentially we'll get kind of the companies will come over. So, and then they'll take the, the main theaters. I'm saying the main theaters, not officially sure what the title is, but the names would be, Board Gosh Theatre, uh, Olympia Theatre, Gaiety Theatre, and the musicals will come over to us with the production company. They'll get take the stage, pit musicians will be there. Uh, I remember once I went to see an Adam's Family production mm-hmm. and the person that was accompanying me bought the tickets and I ended up sitting right behind the musical director. Nice. And they knew I wanted, like, they knew I enjoyed the pit musicians, so I was actually reading the score more than I was looking at what's on the stage. Right. Even what was happening was amazing. And I remember the person with me turns around and goes, uh, I guarantee you won't ask the musical director, how do you become a full-time pit musician? <laughs> and I just went, all right. I tapped him on the shoulder yep. when the show was finished and I asked him, how does that work for you guys? And he explained, they're all they're all English. They all came over from England with the tour. And uh, it's just literally the MD gives a call. That's it. Uh, so, you know, it was, so it's very much a case of many of the reductions right. in the big theatres over here would be tours from England or through from the uk more specifically right does ireland or let's just say dublin in particular do they have any full-time residential professional theaters or are they all uh amateur in schools as in the the theater buildings themselves uh no we've got a few theaters themselves that would be yeah or i meant like company yeah companies that do professional productions where like everybody gets a a payment everyone gets paid you know from my experience, no, actually, most of them are musical societies where okay. it's it's very much enjoyable. Now, I mean, the pit musicians for a load of the musical societies will get called in and they will get payments. Right, but right. The actors on stage 
won't or you know they'll have to pay for lights and sound equipment and right. visual equipment and all that stuff but the actors uh, for a lot of musical societies i've been involved with just want to be involved with performing yeah that's been um that's been the regular go-to yeah. and like i said there there is the odd theater or there is the odd group that will get a position on stage where they will get paid of course right. but I, my experience has been more with i wouldn't call them amateur productions they're they they're, they definitely work very well but, right. Uh, no, the actors the actors don't get paid, but musicians some will do, and any right. hiring that needs to be done will be done. Yeah, typically, uh, I mean, there's exceptions, of course, but like, um, you know, around here, community theaters, you do get a payment if you are if you have a director in your name. Like sometimes they're called a stipend. You know, it's just it's not a it's not a usually a lot. But if you're a lighting director, sound director, music director, artistic director. You get a payment, and if you're a pit musician, you get a payment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the person, the who production actually, team over here would get it. Put it that way, the production right. team over here. So uh, yeah, it's choreographer, choreographer, MD, yeah. and director themselves. They normally get something out of it. Uh, but the people on stage, and also what they call the running crew, which is you know people pulling up the curtains, people changing costumes, um, they don't. You know, mm-hmm. they typically don't. Uh, spotlight operators. You know those. These, these, yeah, yeah. If it's community theater, these are all volunteers. Um, so when we get to regional professional, it's like it's all the same, except now everybody gets paid. So if you're on crew, if you're on actor and, you know, and yeah. you have to sign contracts and and all that. And uh, so so that's kind of like the next level up from community theaters now. Now, what about mm-hmm. the uh, schools that you've played for? Um, so I guess what, what kind of facilities do, do they have? Or is it kind of like, do you have a pit or do you have like a little area in front of the stage or, or what's going on there? Um, it's dependent on the school, really, and what they have available. Uh, my own school that I teach in at the moment, it's they have a massive uh, assembly hall mm-hmm. that students can stand in. But what they do is they actually build up a stage. Uh, right. full scaffolding full light and ring one of the one of the teachers does all the stuff he's a he's an actually a, a, an engineering and a metalwork teacher is what they are over here and he builds he does all the sound and the lights and he gets students to help out with the production there so that probably saves right. some money on hiring there and then they'll actually ask the music teacher will help organize the musicians uh and md the show and normally we're just tucked in a little corner uh right on the floor so the stage is raised about i'd say about or maybe five foot off the floor and the musicians are kind of tucked in a little corner with monitors and speakers and all their equipment uh, there. There's been other occasions where it's just been a sports hall, a few tables with a a layer of, I don't even know, plywood on top drilled in. Right. A few layers of plywood at the back and, okay, guys, the musicians are in front of the stage and that's been it. Um, I think I've only ever had one occasion where there was a floor that was lowered and was a pit right uh, and that was actually in college when i was in college that was that was that occasion then i played greece for that one right what kind of goals do you have as far as a pit musician just based on where you live i'd like to be doing it full-time but um at least from my experience of it it, it can be a bit can be a bit risky to rely on it over here right uh, as a as a full-time thing as i'm sure it is in most places but i've kind of i've seen it over here in particular that it's a bit risky to just rely on playing music it can be risky uh, and that's why i i teach as well because it's it's very handy i finish the teaching day and if i've got corrections to do i can do them and then 
if I get called to play for a show or something, I can go and I've got my weekends free and that's why I enjoy it. Um, but I'd love to be doing it full time. I, I really would. I, I, I just, I have a, I have a good interest in it and I enjoy the various style. I, I like the idea that, uh, first of all, being a guitarist that can sight read is, is I right. like the fact that I can say that. Right. Uh, and then also just the, like I said, the various styles, you know, Hamilton kind of took over last summer right for a lot of people and hearing that and actually spotting the guitar parts i was like oh i never would have thought that right rap hip-hop and r&b could have that type of guitar in it and i'm you know i'm sitting and i'm spotting the guitar parts there right um and it's more of a i enjoy the learning process in it to kind of that's right. my biggest aspiration is to just gather that information and kind of go well i can take that style and apply it to this Right. Basically. Well, you know, one thing you said that is actually very wise. Um, and, uh, you know, so again, we're recording this in advance. Uh, if, if, mm. I'm, if, I'm, if I'm on the schedule correctly, this episode's coming out May 28th. And we're recording this on April 15th. Uh, so mm. kind of way in advance. Uh, this is coming out just before episode 45 releases. And that that is going to be with Marianne McSweeney who uh, played, she's been in Broadway for, for decades and she, she spent six and a half years playing Avenue Q as the bassist. And um, I saw the Instagram post today, (laughs) would you believe it or not? Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, And one of the things that she says in that episode is uh, that they encourage you on Broadway to take advantage of the fact. So there's, there's, it's a pretty liberal subsystem or depth, you know, as you guys would call it, um, mm. that um, you just have to you have to be there fifty percent of the shows, and you can you can sub out the rest, and they want you to do that because when that show ends, you don't have a job unless you've kept yourself mm. busy out in the world and you know kind of nurturing other connections and uh, keeping your keeping your foot in in the door here and a door there so that when that show's done you've got something else to do and you know you're you're not like yeah you know <laughs> wondering how i'm going to pay rent for the next few months until another good show yeah. comes along so yeah it exactly, is a yeah. i think it is risky anywhere but it's really why you know and unless you're a musician that hits it big like uh, you know really really big <laughs> mainstream pop hitting the charts all the yeah, time yeah i mean unless unless you're like taylor swift right now or you know a handful of other artists i i would say you you have to have multiple streams of income regardless of what you do you've got to even if yeah. it's just small streams here and there it's just and even if you're making a lot of money at the moment <laughs> you, you, yeah. you you don't want that it's it's precarious. I mean, all it takes is a pandemic and everything performance shuts down for over a year. So <laughs> yeah, which which has been the big thing over here with a lot of people I know who do rely on music full time and and are full time musicians. It's it's mm-hmm. hit them very hard, both obviously psychologically because they've got no output or outlet, right? And on, and then financially because they're relying on um, uh, we call it the pandemic unemployment payments because people aren't out gigging. And they're right. essentially getting a fraction of what they would be getting normally here. And it's it is it is actually awful to see some people have turned around and said, 
oh maybe I should go and get a real job I'm like no stick to what you have it's right. great you, you're good at it it's just it's just unfortunate uh, with, the, with the situation we're in yeah that they feel that and I think that's a bit upsetting uh, at times right to hear people say that you know yeah well, again it won't, won't be a, you know it won't be a spoiler when people hear this but uh <laughs> Marianne McSweeney for you know six and a half years on uh, Avenue Q and 40 I think she said 47 Broadway productions that she's done she got her realtor's license and was selling houses. <laughs> yeah. You know, but she yeah. still, she still practiced her base. She still, you know, she still records remotely for people. And, you know, so she's, she hasn't gone away. It's like, as soon as shows come back, she's, she's going to have like, actually be in a better situation. She can do two things now, but, um, you know, it just shows you that it doesn't matter how high up you've made it in your profession. It's like, if, if the demand for it goes away, you gotta have something else to do. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's definitely something that, particularly the live, because I've said it to a few people. Um, you know that they're oh the live music scene is gone. No, once the live music scene, particularly in Ireland, maybe it's just the oh, yeah. culture that's there. As soon as they say live music is back and we can go hell for leather with it, I it's gonna it's gonna pop, it's gonna blow up. I'd say, and it'll be very big, the live music scene again. I'm, I, maybe that's wishful thinking, but. You know, we, we've always been quite good at it here, I yeah. think, anyway. Uh, well, I mean, I, I can already tell you that, um, you know, I've kind of made it the point that when people are asking me for live performances, you know, even if it's like a, several months from now, mm. um, my rates have gone up. <laughs> I, I've, I, you know, I've asked for higher rates, and so far, no one has even like questioned it it's just like yeah, yeah we want we want live music and 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 that's worth it you know and and so i don't i don't know if there ever be a time once this settles down when people will be like that again but you know i figure now's the time to you know if you're a musician now's the time to you know try to get closer to what you're worth you know and and, and just uh it's an opportunity and a lot of you know times yeah. in history people have not paid musicians what they're worth so well, that's the thing. I think the self-value in a, in a musician's life is a very big thing. You know, it's, a, it's mm -hmm. part of, I, I mentioned it to you previously in the in the text when we were talking that that is kind of what I'm studying. It's the whole imposter syndrome and self-value and actually right. saying, no, I've worked hard to get to where I am. I deserve either to have that mental fortitude to say, no, I actually am good enough. Right. And also to be able to verbally say out loud, no, this is what I'm worth. I've trained and I've practiced to get to here. So. Yeah. Oh, and that's something, you know, if you, sometimes with clients, you, you may have to explain, but uh, you they're not paying for just the music. They're, they're, they're paying for someone who has studied and practiced and been able to mm. play that music in addition to acquire the instrument and the car that's necessary to transport it, I maintenance, mean, uh, travel, petrol. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm just I'm bringing up uh, <laughs> Mary Ann McSweeney again, just because there's so much there. I mean, it's great. It's a great interview. So episode forty five, if you haven't heard it, but she she talks about you know she she lives in New York with a base now. New York, you know, for ninety five percent of people in New York, they can just get on get a cab. They can get a a subway, you know, a train. Mm -hmm. uh if you play bass you can't do that so sh and parking in new york or driving in new york is horrible parking is expensive really expensive I've, and so yeah that's one I, of her i've 
I've had a very brief experience. My my aunt, my aunt and uncle live over there, and I remember going over and experience it, and it's just, it yeah. is quite crazy. Yeah, <laughs> to put it to put it mildly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you are, um, you know, if you're hiring her as a base, you're also you're 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 paying for her travel, <laughs> you know, for her parking yeah. expenses and all that. So, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are some of the other projects that you have going on? I know that you, uh, I've seen on Instagram, you post, uh, kind of a lot of kind of covers, you know, that you're doing a little, you know, some guitar, uh, parts that you're learning, but, uh, you know, yeah. talk about that. Talk about any other, what are, what else are you doing with the guitar and, and also ukulele, I think, right? Yeah. So basically, basically if it has, uh, if it has strings, frets and the neck, I can kind of figure it out. Basically, that's kind of the way I right. say it. That's the kind of music theory knowledge I have. But right. if guitar is the main instrument, uh, ukulele would be secondary and then mandolin after that. Um, I'm, I'm very honest. And people say to me, oh, so you can play bass. No, I am not a bass player. Right. There's a there's a difference between someone that's a bass player and someone that can play bass. I can just play bass. Oh no, you're a bass player. No, right. I can just play bass. Just about. Uh, but the kind of the other projects are just honestly the putting stuff up on the Instagram is uh, there's two reasons for it. One is just the just to keep the head clear. I like to make sure that I'm still playing and doing stuff. Right. And it's kind of uh, I, I was I was trying to keep up with. <clears throat> just every week trying to do something that when I finish the school day and the teaching day that I could focus on that and take a break. And then the other reason was because of where I'm, what I'm studying in college at the moment uh, is still a lot with kind of digital marketing is a new thing that I'm kind of studying along and particularly for musicians and social media and actually advertising yourself out there. So I'm kind of, it's almost the studying has encouraged me to go, well, no, let's show off what I can do. Actually take a bit of pride right. in what you've gotten up to. Um, the other bits I've gotten up to uh, are kind of the the rock covers band that I play in has released a few videos. I had to take a bit of a step back from that because just time-wise it was very consuming. There's a It's a five-piece rock band and they were sending me it and I was doing the video editing and the audio editing for a bit and I was just said, guys, between college and work, I can't at the moment. Right. Um and then the ukulele thing that's unfortunately that's not working out too well at the moment because obviously there's there's no gigs essentially they mostly right. play for uh weddings and of course weddings can't go ahead and people right and to shell out for you know two or three ukulele players to come um yeah. but that's that's kind of fun yeah yeah um but with regards to actual with regards to actual physical projects i'll be honest there's not a lot it's more kind of myself just saying no i want to play more yeah, uh, and that's pretty much it. Now I, I know you said you you teach uh, at a school. I didn't know if you teach privately at all. I did the private lessons for a while, and uh, while it was great, it was it was firstly it was it was I have to say the money was very good. You know, right? I'd often I, I'd often give a price, and people would say, uh, "No, you're a trained qualified teacher. This is what, yeah, uh, this is what you should be doing." And they had no problem. Um, so I did do it for a while. I kind of stopped it when I started becoming right. a a full time public school teacher right uh i was just going to mention like uh in pre-covid times i teach at a, at, a, at a music studio and i'm right next door to a guy that teaches guitar and ukulele and uh I, it's i think at his peak he had about 60 students and i would bet you that half of them played ukulele at least you know so it's like it's a very popular <laughs> instrument for people kids to want to learn you know 
ukulele has become a it's become a fad over here as well yeah. very specifically in the curriculum for music teaching right. over here i am a music teacher i know it's hard to believe right but um <laughs> but um music over here the old instrument that was kind of the go-to for students was the tin whistle right and now all of a sudden the ukulele has taken over i'd say at least in the past 10 years probably it's taken over here right uh, but i can see why it's it's you know it's a very accessible instrument easy to carry all this all the kind of it's just been a very easy instrument to adapt to i think right. um, so i can see why ukulele has become so popular yeah in your time in the pit have you have you had anything go wrong that's memorable any any horror stories not so much horror stories if i'm honest i mean i think the most awkward experience i had with playing pit was was actually when i did annie um i got handed the piano score with the vocal lines and i said that's great do you have the guitar score no no nice right okay so i had to take the guitar score very quickly scribble in chords using the using the notation to kind of figure out what to play when and i was sitting listening with annie in the background so uh, whether you call that a horror story or not i'm not sure but it was definitely a moment that made me go oh i'll never forget doing that right um, <laughs> oh i did have actually no there was one was one horror story i remember which was when i did high school musical and i was in front of the stage um a basketball nearly came on top of my head nice <laughs> there was a scene where they're bouncing balls and bouncing basketballs and they're dancing with it next thing you know i just felt this whoosh across my head wow had to duck down <laughs> and miss it. that's uh, that's probably the closest i could think of to a major horror story but uh, otherwise i've been very blessed after some of the stories yeah. i've heard in your previous podcasts oh. here i think i've been very blessed yes <laughs> Uh, well, that is, that is a pretty funny one, though, just the concept of a basketball going by your head. <laughs> um, do you, so what's a fond memory that you've had? Uh, just any production I've done, really, if I'm honest with you. I, I very yeah. much I enjoy any production, all productions. Uh, I think a particular one that I took, uh, it's a bit it's a bit sappy, but one production I took particular pride in was uh, my sister does, uh, I don't know what you guys would call it over there, majorettes, baton twirling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she got involved with the musical society now and then that I'm with, and they asked her would she do a solo piece or something like that. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out, at the same time she was doing her bit of solo dancing on the stage, her ribbon twirling, I had to play a guitar solo. So it was kind of cool to kind of uh, reflect on that moment, I suppose, and kind of go, "Oh, cool, my sister's on stage, I'm playing a guitar solo," and it was uh, that was an interesting one. And then another fond memory I have is, I, I think it's the first time I played Jesus Christ Superstar. Right, uh, very much sticks out of my mind because it was the first time I sat with a full orchestra, brass instruments, every mm-hmm. everything, and I went. I remember panicking at first, thinking, "Oh my god, there's a trumpet and horns and everything sitting beside me. Yeah. My ears are going to get blown out of it. Yeah. I'm going to be so worried." And next thing you know, I remember at the end of the show going, "Oh my god, brass is an amazing instrument." Mm, yep, <laughs> that was uh, that was very fun. I, I I really enjoyed the first time I played Jesus Christ Superstar and saw right. the whole thing in full as well. That was that was quite fun. Well, great. Yeah, yeah. So when you do a, a, your first big show like that, that's de- definitely going to be a standout memory. So mm, okay, yeah, that's it. I guess the last thing is where can people follow you if they want to just see like see your videos and just find out more about you. 
Uh, so basically, it's the uh, the Instagram page is Clayton A ninety five C L A Y T O N A ninety five. I will be honest; it's not anything official business wise, but I will be certainly plugging more playing on that. Okay. Uh, and if you want to find my name, uh, Andrew Clayton, on YouTube as well, I'm going to try and put up more videos of kind of, uh, like I said, Hamilton took over last summer, and I managed to do some. I basically did a lesson playing one of the great tunes from that one with the guitar chords on it. So people were able to follow along with it. And a few people said they liked it. So I'll definitely be trying to do that more to incorporate the teaching and the bit playing into it. Um, so if people want to find me there, they're more than welcome to. All right. Be delighted for any, any support when it comes to music, as far as I'm concerned. Great. Well, thanks for sharing with us about Irish theater today. And just thanks for taking time to talk to me. Thank you very much, David. I appreciate it. And that wraps up episode 51. Look forward to being back with you next week on Friday, June 4th. That will be episode 52. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. And you can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Perolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about the podcast, leave feedback, or leave a donation through davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app, and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.